Welcome to TIFF Talk, sponsored by Endogastric Solutions, a podcast that interviews physicians and real-life patients about the most common gastrointestinal disorder, GERD, commonly known as chronic acid reflux. Listen to patients and physicians interact, break down the disease from different perspectives, and learn how taking the next step in your treatment can change your life. For our audio listeners, you can see visuals on our YouTube channel at GERD Help. The TIF procedure may or may not be appropriate for your health condition. Only your doctor can explain the benefits and risks of all treatment options. Results may vary. Visit GERDHelp.com for more clinical data. The TIF procedure for reflux was developed by Endogastric Solutions Incorporated. Welcome Facebook to our TIFF Talk. I'm Andrea Millers with Endogastric Solutions. I have the great pleasure of having Dr. Lorenzo Sampson. He is a general surgeon from Aiken Regional Medical Center. Welcome and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Um, we also have one of his patients, uh, Matthew Kenny, here as well. He actually works for the hospital as well. He's the director of HTM which happens to be biomedical yes, ma'am. group, right? Okay, and he's from Macon Regional Medical Center as well. So kind of a unique story. I can't wait to get into his story, um, but let's talk to you, Dr. Sampson, mm -hmm. first. Um, mm -hmm. You've done over 400 TIF procedures, right? Yes. Okay, and your first TIF was in back in 2010? Uh, 2010. Yeah, yes. back in mm -hmm. September. So um, obviously Dr. Sampson's very versed at the TIF procedure and we'll kind of get into that a little bit more. But um, fun fact, uh, Matthew here has actually, was actually Dr. Sampson's 400th patient, right? Yes, ma'am. Very cool, very cool. So we'll kind of get into it right now and kind of um, Dr. Um, Sampson, why don't you kind of give us a little explanation of what is GERD and acid mm -hmm. reflux for yeah. our Facebook friends? Okay, well, acid reflux or GERD basically is an anatomical problem. And basically, once food passes the oral cavity into the esophagus and enter into the stomach, there's a sphincter or a valve. And that valve, if it's competent, will allow food to enter into the stomach, but will not allow backflow or reflux. And patients who are actually suffering from GERD or acid reflux basically has an incompetent valve. Right, right. Okay, and what kind of symptoms would patients be suffering from if they um, are, have GERD or acid right. reflux? Well, the classic symptoms mostly is indigestion or heartburn, and there's certain types of foods like, <clears throat> say, chocolates, alcohol, uh, tomato paste, base like tomatoes, ketchup, sure. is known to increase acid production or weakens the valve right. between the esophagus and the stomach, and that would lead to heartburn or the reflux. Okay. And it's my understanding that there's different types of mm -hmm. symptoms, right? There's the typical symptoms versus mm -hmm. what they're, right. what you call atypical right. symptoms, which I think, Matthew, you had a little bit more atypical mm -hmm. symptoms. Can you talk a little bit about the atypical symptoms? Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, the classic symptom, of course, is heartburn, but the atypical symptoms would be those patients who have maybe suffering from asthma and what they actually are having right. solid reflux and they're refluxing at night or during the day and of course they're presenting to the pulmonologist with reflux 
but they think and actually have asthma. And then those patients who have chest pain and they go to the cardiologist thinking that they're having a heart attack and right. essentially they're actually suffering from reflux. Right, so let's <laughs> talk a little bit. Thank you for that explanation. Matthew, why don't you kind of give us your story and, and how you met Dr. Sampson sure. um, and how it all started because you don't have the typical um, GERD situation or acid reflux or patient that had been suffering for 20 years right. on PPIs. You had a little bit of a different story, so why don't you kind of tell us about your so, story? So um, I went to my regular doctor because I was suffering from um, shortness of breath. Right. And so he had um, sent me to a, a pulmonary uh, doctor here and they did all these tests on me and couldn't find anything wrong. Everything, the breathing was good, you know, as far as those tests. And so I went back to him a month or so later. I'm like, look, there's gotta be something else going on. And he had me have an MRI, um, or actually I think it was a CT. And during that CT, that's when they found a hiatus hernia. And then I went and seen Dr. Sampson to see what we could do about that. Sure. Um, and Dr. Sampson's thorough examination and trying to get to the end of it, the bottom line, uh, he found out, he did an EGD on me, and at that point, that's when we found out, okay, I'm suffering from, you know, those symptoms that I, you know, as a typical guy, I just kind of brushed off to the side, thinking, right. you know, there's, you know, it's just normal. And in reality, you know, I was having more acid reflux than what I actually thought I was. Um, and then from there, um, we found other issues with the gallbladder and, um, you know, we talked about, you know, certain um, steps to take next and the TIF was uh, definitely a, a procedure that sounded like it would be benefit me and so that's right. what we went with. Right. So his, his situation is really unique, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Well, not really unique, but <laughs> he had a hiatal hernia right. uh, and then also was that um, had TIF procedure, but also had his gallbladder taken out at the same mm -hmm. time. Is that right. correct? Okay. So, um, so the symptoms that you were experiencing were more shortness of breath, um, and you went to a pulmonologist mm -hmm. first. And I asked mm -hmm. you earlier, Dr. Sampson, you said you get a lot of referrals from other doctors because, yes. what kind of other doctors well, would? Uh, besides pulmonologists and cardiologists, the ear, nose, and throat surgeons are more common because a lot of patients go to the ear, nose, and throat surgeon because they either have sinus problems or hoarseness right. and they think it's a polyp on the vocal cords and in fact once they do a fiber optic exam they can see the erythema in the pharynx which is from reflux. Yeah, okay. We talked <clears throat> to two patients last week mm -hmm. that had coughing. They both had the, the mm -hmm. excessive coughing right. all the time so similar to kind of what you're saying with the shortness of breath. Um, what types of, um, what do you recommend patients to do if they're suffering from GERD? What are, to manage their symptoms if it, initially, if you uh, will? Well, I mean, initially, <clears throat> patients can either adjust their lifestyle mm -hmm. in terms of either avoid eating, you know, too late, which will help minimize reflux. Um, also, maybe elevating the head of the bed or sleeping sure. on several pillows. Um, but besides dietary lifestyle changes, then of course there's the over-the-counter type, you know, Shh. proton pump inhibitors, right. you know, like Prilosec or, um, or Miprazole. Um, but of course there's side effects to taking drugs like right. proton pump inhibitors long term. Yeah, let's talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that. There, we get a lot of questions on our Facebook page about long-term effects of PPIs. Mm -hmm. What is your um, experience with um, mm -hmm. patients on PPIs for long-term, or, or, right. or the data that you know scientifically? Right. Well, I mean, basically the data, and I guess the definition of long-term is kind of controversial. Some people consider long-term to be at least two weeks sure. of requiring proton pump inhibitors. And the side effects usually 
would be more like malabsorption or <clears throat> it could be more infection that is okay. a result of long-term uh, proton pump inhibitors. Oh. Um, if you think about the stomach, the stomach produces acid and that acid helps to digest the food and break it down. Right. And when you take proton pump inhibitors, you're not producing that acid, so you're not breaking down the food, so you can't absorb the nutrients in the food, such as calcium, or magnesium or iron, and we consider it to be a malabsorption problem. Mm. As far as calcium, when you're taking long-term uh, proton pump inhibitors, um, you can lead to malabsorption of the calcium, which will lead to osteoporosis, which makes a patient more prone to fractured you know, bones, et cetera. Right. Um, as far as magnesium, uh, a low magnesium can result in arrhythmias or can result in seizure activity, okay. and of course, uh, patients who are on proton pump inhibitors can lead to pernicious anemia, which means a low blood count because you can't absorb the iron, which you need right. as a critical component of the hemoglobin. Okay. And then as far as infection, you can imagine the acid in the stomach can help break down microbes and decrease bacterial population in the stomach. So by taking proton pump inhibitors, you allow an alkaline environment, which means bacteria can proliferate and if you use solid refluxing, you can actually aspirate and lead to community-acquired pneumonia. Wow, okay, so some serious stuff, right? Yes. Some serious, so um, let's talk a little bit about um, what are the different options for treating GERD. Can you kind of right. go into a, a little bit about that right. and then we'll maybe ask Matthew, if you've mm -hmm. heard of anything else or you just right. knew you wanted the TIF procedure? <laughs> well, I mean, besides lifestyle changes in terms of trying to avoid eating and avoiding certain types of foods that you normally know causes reflux, of course there's medication, but the side effects of medication, we would recommend surgical intervention. The typical uh, surgical procedure that most people are familiar with is called the Nissen fundoplication. And that's where they go in and they actually wrap in the stomach around the esophagus to tighten that valve, or basically helping to recreate the valve so that food can drop in and not reflux back up. But there have been, uh, I guess, complications or you know side effects of that procedure because most patients complain of gas bloat or distension. Right. They have the inability to vomit because it's such a tight wrap that it doesn't allow anything to come back. Um, whereas with the Nissen, it's I feel least invasive. You mean the, the TIF procedure? Yeah, is least, I mean yeah, the TIF yeah. procedure, right, I'm sorry. <laughs> the TIF okay. procedure is least invasive compared to the Nissen, right. and patients still could vomit if need be. So if you ate something for dinner and it was food poisoning, you can still you know, vomit if you have to, sure. whereas you don't get the gas bloat that you normally see with the Nissen fundoplication. Okay, and there are other procedures mm -hmm. as well, right? There's um, well, besides the Nissen and the TIF procedure, there's like a partial, which is like a toupee fundoplication, okay. but they all kind of, you know, based on the same mechanism of actually trying to recreate the valve. Mm -hmm. And then there are some other procedures there too, where some people are experimenting what they call like a Lynx procedure, where they place this like a candy metallic bracelet around the esophagus. Right but that's been known to have some you know, issues as well. That's well. But I think of all the techniques, I think I've found the TIF procedure or the transoral fundoplication to be the best, least invasive procedure. Perfect, that was a really good explanation. Thank okay. you, Dr. Sampson. So when you <laughs> found out that you were suffering from reflux and then you had your other complications, um, what were your thoughts of the TIF procedure? Because I, I understand you got the brochure, you got some information about the TIF procedure. Um, you know, initially, I, I'd never heard of a TIF before until I went to Dr. Sampson's office, and him and his staff was very informative. Um, they explained the whole procedure. They gave me all the information. 
course, I went home with the wife and we looked it up and looked up uh, <laughs> at all the, the side effects and, and right. the things that we could prepare mentally. And we tried to do a little bit of um, coaching myself to start that um, the new diet beforehand. Um, sure. You know, and, and from there, we just, you know, it seemed like that was the best idea for us with the TIF. Um, you know, I live in the American dream of needing to lose weight every day. And so that was. <laughs> Um, an, another special side effect of timeout. You lost the internet. You're kidding. When we lose it? When when you when Matt started answering the question. Okay. And we're still recording feeds, I believe, right? Brief pause, Facebook. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We're we're trying to get back on. We lost the internet, so. We'll continue in a second. We're getting there. It's a good story. I'm, I'm excited about your story, though. This is good. of technical difficulties yeah. live. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Sorry about the minor glitch. Um, you know, that's sometimes we're, we're in Aiken, South Carolina, and we got a storm coming through. So I don't know if that had to do with our um, brief cut, um, but we're back here. And what we were just talking to Matthew <clears throat> about was his choice. Um, to have the TIF procedure, so I don't know if you remember what we were just talking about, but sure. you, yeah. Again, I you know one of the, the the good side effects of the of the TIF procedure is it does help you to lose weight because you have to train yourself with a new diet, and uh, I've struggled like many other people with weight loss, and so that was one thing that I looked at that not only is it going to help me with my reflux and everything else, but it, it also helped me with. Um, some of my weight loss and the first two weeks I lost 14 pounds wow. and um, um, with the diet change I've been able to keep it off and and hopefully you know continue to grow on that. So why don't you talk a little bit more about that and explain it obviously it's not a weight loss uh, no. <laughs> uh, procedure but it taught you we talked mm -hmm. about this a little bit earlier it taught you how to eat a little bit differently right, right? because mm -hmm. why don't you talk a little bit about that yeah. and maybe you can elaborate uh, okay. on that. Yeah. So. I mean for the most part you know with the TIF procedure Immediately afterwards, you're going to get some surgical swelling just from the procedure. So the patients are required to be on a liquid diet for two weeks. And the first two days of that two weeks, we say clear liquids, and then you go to full liquids. Right. And then the next two weeks, they're on a soft diet. And some people like to you know, drink smoothies or they blend the foods and right. so on like that. Okay. Um, and then after the soft diet, the next two weeks, which would be weeks five and six, they can start to introduce some regular food, but I still emphasize to patients that they have to chew their food really slowly right. and don't eat too fast and don't overeat. And so that's mm -hmm. mainly what you yes. were talking about, mm -hmm. right? And that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, and even now I'm at, I think, week six of my recovery. If I eat too fast or if I don't chew my food up enough, I can tell that after that swallow that, hey, I need to slow down because it automatically tells me, hey, look, it's, it's too much um, right away. Right. 
And so it's really helped me develop a, a completely different eating habit, really. That's great. So put it in perspective, you had your procedure on June 11th, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so you're you're six weeks out. Yes, ma'am. So it's so great to see you. Yes, ma'am. Um, and hear the story six weeks out, how's mm -hmm. it going type of a thing. So um, thank you for that. Now, Dr. Mm -hmm. Sampson, why don't you kind of talk to, or tell the audience and give us a little bit of a description of what is the TIF procedure? Mm -hmm. How does it work? And, right. Yeah, what can they expect? Well, I mean, the TIF procedure <clears throat> is basically a device that we can go in endoscopically, so we do not have to go through the abdominal cavity. We can go sure. through the oropharynx into the esophagus, and we use the gastroscope or the endoscope as our visualization so we can see, and then we can actually recreate that valve that has been destroyed between right. the esophagus and the stomach. And the valve, basically, we take the esophagus and we have what we call devaginated, where we can evert the esophagus into the lumen of the stomach, mm -hmm. and then we fold the stomach onto the esophagus, basically recreating that valve for about a two centimeter you know, distance. Okay. And then we fire the fasteners, which will placate the esophagus and stomach together. And usually after six weeks, that placation becomes permanent and okay. fused together. Perfect. Yeah. That was a really great and explanation. Patients, I guess, stick to the diet and don't cheat. Basically, it should be a lifelong procedure. Fantastic. So um, when you have a mm -hmm. lot, a big question we get all the time is, I have a hiatal hernia, can mm -hmm. I get the TIF procedure? I'll all let right. you answer that and then okay. you, you... Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, the uh, or a hiatal hernia doesn't prevent you from having a TIF. The question would be just how large the hiatal hernia is. Right. And usually the cutoff is two centimeters. So if the hiatal hernia is larger than that, then it may be impossible to reduce that much of a stomach and placate. So in that sure. case, there's a new, well, not a new procedure, but we kind of call it the hybrid, where we go in laparoscopically yep. and we can close the cure or repair the, the hiatal hernia, and then we can still have the TIF the right. endoscopically. And, and then in this case, Matthew, mm -hmm. you also got your gallbladder taken yeah. out. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for that mm -hmm. explanation. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the day of your procedure, the TIF procedure. Sure. Um, you did talk a little bit about the pers uh, the diagnostic testing mm -hmm. that you have to do. What do you right. normally, um, what kind of tests do you normally I mean, do prior to? Typically, a lot of the patients that are referred may come to me already with either a swallow test, okay. where they underwent um, a test where they drank some contrast and radiology, and that can kind of visualize the swallowing mechanism and demonstrate reflux. Right. Um, if they have not done that, we can do what we call a <clears throat> EGD or endoscopic, you know, procedure, upper endoscopy, sure. and we can go in and we can look at the anatomy and one, we can visualize whether they have a hiatal hernia, and we can size the hiatal hernia right. to determine, yes, they're actually having reflux and how we can repair it. If the hiatal hernia is greater than two centimeters, then we recommend doing a hybrid where we go in laparoscopically, repair the hiatal hernia, and then, and then do, do the, the TIF. If it's less than two centimeters, the TIF procedure itself can repair the hiatal hernia and okay. do the fundoplication portion. Perfect, perfect. Um, I think we have a question from Facebook. We do. Uh, this is for Dr. Sampson. This is from Tim. Can a TIF be done after a failed visit? That's a good question, Susie, and it can be done, and I've done it on several occasions because there are patients who've had a Nissen fundoplication and the valve may have slipped and now they're still having reflux symptoms. And in this case, the patient I had scoped had a, a Nissen fundoplication previously, and I was able to take them and do a TIF and reinforce that valve okay. and correct the reflux. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. 
Do we have another question? We do. Um, I've been diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus. Mm -hmm. Will this help? Um, the procedure itself is not going to eradicate Barrett's esophagitis. Basically, I think it will take away the insult, meaning that the problem with Barrett's esophagitis is that it is a pre-cancerous you know, process, and if you don't stop it, it's going to eventually turn into esophageal cancer. So by having a NIS, I mean not NIS, but having a TIF procedure or fundoplication, what happens is that you will prevent further insult to injury. Mm. So that's why I would recommend for patients who have Barrett's to go ahead and have the TIF procedure done to prevent further, you know, reflux. Perfect. But they will still need to be monitored, you know, the Barrett's. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Did uh, so <clears throat> after? Let's so back to the TIF procedure. Um, the day of, you prepped, or did, mm -hmm. so you said you had to do a diet for two weeks prior. Is well, that it correct? was on my own, oh. um, okay. my own accord. I was just trying to, to prepare get yourself, <laughs> prepare for that, that less food intake for the next, you know, few weeks. Okay. Um, day of procedure, it came in um, as a normal yard before surgery, and uh, everybody was very explanatory of everything that needed to be done. And um, I wasn't sure at the very beginning whether I had to stay in the hospital uh, overnight or not, but sure. um, I did and um, got taken great care of here, of course. And, <laughs> um, you know, it, it went well. Dr. Sampson came in, explained everything once again before the procedure just to make sure that uh, myself and my wife both knew um, what to expect before and after. And then again, after the procedure was done, he came back and saw me and said, you're good to go. Wow. Quick and easy. Quick and easy. <laughs> Just a few extra holes. A few extra holes, yes. yes. So what are, uh, I, I think I've heard a couple of patients say sometimes they get a sore throat from mm -hmm. having the tiff because it is right. going in through your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. Are there other things that, um, that you, not warn, but let mm -hmm. the patient know to expect? Yeah, the, the most common thing, like you mentioned, is the soreness, and that's because, one, you have the device itself that we're using to go through the oropharynx to do the suturing, right. and then you have to remember, too, that the patient is intubated, you know, right. doing anesthesia, oh, right, so yeah. they may have a sore throat, um, but there's like hurricane spray we can use to help with that. Okay. The other thing I always tell patients, you know, just before surgery, they may have a little chest tightness because mm. sometimes patients may think they're having a heart attack and yeah. I told them, you know, you just had surgery and expect it. So that way by knowing ahead of time, they kind of know what they to, know what to yeah. expect. Right. Set expectations. Yes. <laughs> so after your procedure, you went home and you, how was that? So I know you said it was great because of the diet, but yeah. two weeks liquid mm -hmm. diet, um, you prepared yourself. I did, and, and I gotta say, at the beginning, I personally didn't experience any um, sore throat at all. So okay. um, maybe that was part of Dr. Sampson's <laughs> great care and, and the procedure. But I, I was lucky enough that I didn't have any um, sore throat at all. And then going home, um, again, the wife took great care of me. She mm -hmm. had the, uh, we went out and bought a bunch of soup and uh, ice cream and to make the smoothies with it, right. you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, everything went well. I mean, it, yeah. it was clear, like I said, like you said, clear liquid for the first few days, mm -hmm. and then after that, I was uh, a lot of broth, broth, um, <laughs> and, and, and any other soups that we could find that, okay. that I was able to have. So okay. Uh, so when were you able to go back to work? Um, and then probably mm -hmm. the post-op was right. a little bit different because he did have the hiatal hernia as well as mm -hmm. the gallbladder. Um, but well, I mean, for the most part. Um, I don't think the gallbladder limited him more. I think the TIF procedure 
probably cause more limitations because I tell patients after the procedure you don't want to engage in any heavy lifting, say more than 30 pounds. Right. Because even though, you know, it's not a big incision, it's just a little puncture side, so it's endoscopic, the it point to. of just heavy lifting can cause some straining and rip the sutures in the diaphragm sure. or whatever that may be, you know, causing yeah. the repair. Yeah. yeah. So recommendation is depending on the type Each of work job, you're yeah. in, the mm -hmm. job that you're in, because I know we At get least, a lot of questions, right. when can I go back to work? But for you, you were in the hospital. And right. You uh, weren't lifting heavy no, things. No, so I, lucky enough, I have a good team that uh, supported me on that. Um, I went back to work after two weeks. Two weeks, okay. And, um, you know, if there was any heavy lifting required, I just, you know, pushed it off on them and let them help me out, and um, it was a good recovery. Fantastic, mm -hmm. fantastic. Do we have another question from Facebook? We do. This is for uh, Dr. Sampson from Kristen. Can I get pregnant after the TIF procedure? Uh, yes, <laughs> as long as <laughs> all the anatomical right parts are there. <laughs> <laughs> is there a time frame? I mean, I'm uh, assuming if they had a TIF procedure. Yeah, I think if, if they're considering, you know, having the TIF, I would probably say at least wait four to six weeks. That will allow things to solidify. Okay, any other questions? We do, from Rick. Uh, I was diagnosed by my ENT uh, that I have LPR. Uh, can the TIF procedure help with it? Um, the problem, I would say yes, because a lot of times when the acid reflux, whether you out, you know, refluxing alkaline or acidic, the contents itself can cause the spasm and so on. Okay. So I would recommend, yeah, they see you know, a surgeon and at least get an endoscopy if they've not already had one. Okay, perfect. Any other questions? We do have one more. Um, this is from Bob. Um, I've had a sleeve. Can I still get a tip? I would say more than likely it could be a contraindication because with the TIF procedure, you got to have enough stomach to be able to wrap. However, I have had one patient who had a sleeve, but the sleeve over time was basically huge Stretched and stretched, right? So I was able to wrap that. And that was just one patient that had a good outcome. Fantastic, wonderful. Any other questions? Oh, we're good, okay. So, living GERD free now. Absolutely. How do you feel? I uh, feel great. Um, I've, I've been able to take the deep breaths that I was missing for, for a while. And um, again, with the diet change and, and training my, my mind and body to, to eat better and eat um, slower and everything else, it, it's been great for the last couple weeks that I've gotten to have a little bit more <laughs> solid food. You know? Fantastic. Right. So um, do you, you're going to still see Dr. Sampson or you got released, it's he done? released me last week. I'm, we're all good. I'm free. So six weeks out, they're six pretty weeks much. Out, yeah. And I usually after six weeks, you know, I tell patients, I don't make them schedule to see me, but I'll tell them if they have any problems with reflux or heartburn or anything they're not sure about, call the office and we get them back in. Fantastic. And evaluate. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, well, I know one question that um, a lot of patients ask is, mm -hmm. where can I find a physician in my area? <laughs> so if you're in Aiken, South Carolina, or even mm -hmm. Georgia, Augusta kind of area, you can come see uh, Dr. Sampson here <laughs> at Aiken Regional Medical Center. Yes. Um, however, if you're somewhere else, you can go to GERDhelp.com, and there is a physician finder there, and you'll be able to find a physician in your area. Um, is there anything else that you guys would like to add or, or say to our Facebook friends? Well, I would say if you're suffering from reflux, you know, consider the TIF procedure. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. How about you, Matthew? Uh, I think he's the man with all. two names. I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it helped me, and I, I think it could, it, if you're suffering like I was, it could definitely help you.
Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you both very well, much you. for being yes, here thank this you. afternoon. We appreciate it. And again, to all the Facebook users out there, if you have any questions or would like more information, you can visit GERDhelp.com. We also have a lot of information on our Facebook page. So um, we do TIFF Talks every month. So feel free to jump on and listen to another TIFF Talk as we go. Thank you very much and have a fantastic afternoon. If you are suffering from chronic acid reflux and want more information, please visit GERDhelp.com or download our GERD Help mobile app. Thanks for tuning into another episode of TIFF Talk. Leave your questions and comments on our social media at GERD Help. Live well, GERD free.